Today on Locked On, Anaheim Ducks. The Coyotes are back in their series and high drama in Boston. What's going on there? Find out on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is blazing hot out there, everybody. It is 110 degrees in some parts of SoCal. For those of you that live in Canada, it's about 50 Celsius. You heard that right. It's getting close to 50 Celsius in some spots, believe it or not. But welcome everyone to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network or TLOPN or TLOPN. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. And, you know, be, be sure to subscribe. It's very important to subscribe. That way you don't miss an episode. And you can hear our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher Radio, or wherever you hear your podcasts. Let's get right into it. So it's been kind of a interesting few days as far as playoff hockey goes. Let's start with the obvious. Let's start with the Arizona Coyotes. And I've mentioned this several times on this podcast. Uh, the Locked on Coyotes podcast has been idle for a long time. We do not have a Locked on Coyotes host. In fact, we haven't had one for a while. So I am kind of being the pinch hitter of covering the Coyotes as far as the playoffs are concerned. It does help that I've worked in the American Hockey League for a few years. And I've seen the Tucson Roadrunners play more than enough games in Ontario and San Diego. So I've seen these players up close for the better part of four years back when they first started. In fact, just a little quick aside, I happened to be at that first game, the first ever Tucson Roadrunners game taking place at San Diego four years ago now. That seems like an eternity ago, if you can believe that. So Friday's game, Yotes versus Avalanche. Coyotes were looking to even the series at one game apiece, and I'll go through that game quickly because this one was not fun for Coyotes fans. It wasn't fun for fans of the Kachinas simply because they were outclassed on this game. Arizona was outclassed as far as um, just overall play. Arizona did outshoot Colorado 32-28 in this game. But the quality of shots just were not there for Arizona. I got to give a lot of credit to the defense for keeping it as close as it was. Uh, It was a tie game late in the game, too. Nathan McKinnon did score the first goal for Colorado. Uh, Clayton Keller did get the equalizer on that one, making it 1-1. Tyson Joe scored for Colorado. Then Michael Grabner, that guy that I've talked about, his goal was completely based on speed and speed alone so he's doing it yet again tying the game up at two goals apiece but late in the game on what I consider to be a kind of fluky goal this one kind of pinged around a little bit uh, Nazim Kadri got the assist on this one to Andre Burakovsky and that would be the game-winning goal with just under three minutes to go and that gave Colorado a three to two victory And at the time, they would lead the series two games to none. So fast forward to Saturday's game. Arizona needed to win this game. And what better way to try to come back in the series than by wearing those great Kachina jerseys. At the time, Darcy Kemper was unstoppable wearing that jersey. And it would prove true once again. This was a Darcy Kemper special. If there ever was one, this might have been his 
best performance of the entire postseason. We kick things off in the first period where Colorado was really peppering the shots on goal. And poor Darcy. He he tried. He tried so hard. But in the end, you know, it didn't even matter. It didn't. Derek Stepan got the first goal, making it 1-0 Kachinas. Burakovsky did get the equalizer late in the second. But also late in the second period, kind of towards the left side, Brad Richardson had a snipe shot from about the left dot. And he would put the Kachinas up 2-1. to one. This was a great play all around for Arizona. They were passing tape to tape. Demers to Garland to Brad Richardson, the former LA King. The fourth liner doing it again. Brad Richardson, he's been doing pretty well. Coming up with big clutch goals. He had the overtime winner, obviously, back in the qualifying round. And he had that great shot to put Arizona up 2-1. to one. So Brad Richardson getting it done for the Coyotes. Then you have Taylor Hall. Very late in the game, this was an unassisted empty netter, making it 3-1. to one. Miko Rantanen made it interesting, 3-2, to two, and this was late. But then the Kachinas scored once again on the empty net, making it 4-2. to two, And that would be your final score. Arizona would go on to win 4-2. to two. This was an interesting game for a number of reasons. Let's start with the offense on this one. Yes, Taylor Hall, great job getting the empty netter there. Brad Richardson, as I mentioned before, he's getting in those zones a little bit. Being that pesty fourth liner that other teams hate. But if he's on your team, you absolutely friggin' love it. He's always been that kind of guy. Especially back when he was with the LA Kings back in 2012. Yeah, we're going way back. Brad Richardson's 35 years old, guys. He's been in the league for a long time, so good for him to really pull through there. Okay, let's talk about the obvious. Darcy Kemper, he saved the day on Saturday. It was not close. He was by far the best player of the game. He was the first star. He was the second star. He was the third star as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to go through the shots on goals Period by period. After one period, Colorado was out shooting Arizona 20 to 12. After two periods, Colorado was out shooting them 36 to 17. At the end of the game, Colorado had taken 51 shots on goal, Arizona only 23. The Corsi was not even close, it was completely lopsided. And once again, thanks to our buddies at Natural Stat Trick for coming up with some of the pretty insane stats as far as that game is concerned. And this is even strength, by the way. The Coyotes have, were out-attempted 73-30. to 30. Overall, the Colorado Avs had 92 shot attempts, and Arizona had only 39 92 to 39. That's way too much, guys. Way too much. Although, for the record, Arizona did get 27 blocks. Yeah. Hmm. 27 blocks. So, between shots on goal and blocks, that's 78. And then there were 14 missed shots sprinkled in there. So, when you talk about Colorado just completely blitzing Darcy Kemper. It, it shows. 
And if you look at the heat map for the Avs versus the Yotes, it's not close. Colorado was all over the ice. The big key for me on this game was Darcy Kemper did not let a lot of rebounds go by. In fact, there was maybe only two or three juicy rebounds that I could think of during that entire game where Colorado had a great chance to put away a rebound and that just didn't go through. So credit to Darcy Kemper for smothering the puck whenever possible for not allowing the rebounds and for the Coyotes to really rally around him. I mean, 27 block shots is a lot of blocks. So once again, credit to the defense on that. This is what Arizona has been doing all season long. They've been relying on goaltending. They've been relying on their stellar defense. And it shows once again here. Even their penalty kill has been solid throughout this postseason. So that's good to see. Uh, the Colorado Avs were 0 for 3 on the power play. Arizona coming through once again on that. Coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk about the drama going on in Boston. Yeah, there's a lot of drama there. Stay locked in, folks. Welcome back to Locked on Anaheim Ducks, presented by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need, whether you need parts for an old Buick or a newer Toyota, rockauto.com has the parts you'll need, whether it is an old jalopy, whether it's a new car, maybe it's a clunker. They have all the parts your car will ever need. So once again, that's rockauto.com. And in the how did you hear about us, I guess, box... Type in locked on and tell them that we sent you. So once again, that's rockauto.com. So just to peel back the curtain a little bit, I sometimes record these segments out of order or first segment was a little more in advance. This one, not so much. I alluded to the fact that the Coyotes had done well on the special teams before their game four, I guess, meltdown slash collapse slash whatever you want to call it. And unfortunately, there's some pretty damning stats to back it up. For me to actually say that they're damning stats says a lot. Because the Coyotes had all the momentum going into Game 4, which took place Tuesday afternoon. And to say the least, they crapped the bed. They completely crapped the bed. It was not close. Colorado had three in the first, one in the second, three in the third. They won 7-1. to one. It wasn't close. And just to go over... I'm going to go over the fancy stats here on this one and then talk a little bit more about just uh, the actual game itself. Uh, the Corsi 4 was in favor of Colorado yet again for the fourth game in a row by a tally of 46-26 overall in the game. It was 62-32 in favor of, well, who else? The Avalanche. One thing that I had mentioned in the past was former Ontario Reign netminder Dis Darcy Kemper had been the star of the playoffs up until this game, where he was pulled after two periods after allowing four goals in less than 40 minutes. That is not going to do it. As far as how those goals were scored, Matt Nieto scored the first one, then Nazim Kadri, then Nazim Kadri again. He was on hat-trick watch for the entire game. He scored two right away in the first period and had a helper in the second period on a Donskoy goal to make it 4 nothing Colorado. The only bright spot for the Coyotes was a cheek run goal from the point. That was a power play goal, by the way. But as far as penalty killing for 
Arizona, it was simply not good, as they allowed not one, not two, but three power play goals. Special teams is something that I guess Arizona had been known for in the past, and this completely eluded them on this game, as they are now on the brink of elimination. And I've said many times on here, we still don't have someone covering the Coyotes, so I'm doing this as a de facto substitute covering the Oats, and now they're one loss away from leaving the Edmonton bubble and going home. As far as what we saw throughout that game, uh, one of the big ones was Kale McCarr, who had an absolutely filthy goal in the third period, which unfortunately went viral for the wrong reasons for Andrew Goligoski for the Coyotes, who got completely undressed on the defense right in the neutral zone. And look, Kel McCarr, I said all the way back in September, is probably going to be the rookie of the year. He deserves the Calder Trophy. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, that was one of the better goals of the playoffs and something that is making fans of the Avalanche very proud. And I said this all the way back in September. They were my pick to win it all. I'm not going to back down now. I'm I'm still not going to back down. I still think Colorado has the best team in the bubble. I do think they're going to win it all. So right now the series is 3-1 Colorado going into Wednesday night's action. And we'll talk more about that on the following show. One other game that I wanted to get to. And actually, I'm going to get to the game first. Then the news revolving around the game. And this is between the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. The reason this is important is because the Boston Bruins were looking like they were going to, I guess, choke a little bit because of the major news that took place on Saturday. On Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. local time, 90 minutes before puck drop was to take place at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. It was found out that Tuka Rask, the now former, maybe former netminder of the Boston Bruins, we still don't know yet, he decided to up and leave the bubble just like that. 90 minutes before game time, the Boston media went into a complete frenzy and like Boston media does, and I'm sorry, Boston fans, I apologize for saying this, but at the same time, I don't because you know how you fans are in Boston. Everyone went completely berserk. All these false rumors were starting to spread like wildfire. And guys, leave leave him alone. That's all I'm saying. Leave him alone. He said that the reason he's leaving is because of family. Keep in mind, he has a newborn. He wants to keep his family safe. I don't blame him for wanting to leave the bubble. So that was the major storyline as far as the Boston Bruins. This was when they were tied 1-1. to I don't know if I like him doing this an hour and a half before puck drop because your whole team is getting ready and the team is relying on you to be in goal. So for him to leave like that is going to leave a sour taste in everybody's mouths. So how did the Bruins recover from that? Well, on the early NBC game, they did win that game 3, 3-1, which was highly unexpected. Boston came out firing. They outshot Carolina 39-30 in that game 3 on Saturday. So then we go to, to, to Monday. Monday's game 
saw the Carolina Hurricanes jump out to a 2-0 lead on goals from former LA King Justin Williams and Justin Martinuk on the assist from Sebastian Ajo. Carolina had, keyword, had a 2-0 lead going into the third period. So what the hell happened? Well, three things happened. They stopped pressing. Uh, the pinching was a little bit more suspect. Actually, no, there's more than three things that happened, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, they they didn't hustle. They stopped hustling. They stopped just skating. It's very discouraging to see a team just stop skating and kind of relax. You know, they relax for one ounce, and then the opponents can pounce on you like that. They figure, we have a 2 nothing lead. We're fine. We can hold this 2 nothing lead. Yeah, in sports, you can't do that. Especially in hockey, you can't relax. Uh, some other observations from that game as far as what went wrong. This all happened after Stahl got injured. The team didn't really have a whole lot of heart after that. And that's discouraging to see. Unfortunately, it's kind of accurate. But the team needs to play all 60 minutes despite that injury. They didn't have the heart. They didn't have the hunger. The forecheck was non-existent in that third period. Passes were getting picked off. And then you had goal after goal after goal. And one other discouraging stat. For the first 18 and a half minutes of that third period, Boston outshot Carolina 15 to nothing. Carolina had one shot in the third period, and that was a goal. All right, that's fine. One shot, one goal. That's all they had as Carolina gave up four goals in less than seven minutes. Yes, in a seven-minute stretch, it became two. It went from 2 nothing Carolina to 4-2 Boston. Jamie DeBrusque on helpers from Clifton and former Duck Andra Kasha. Then Clifton got his first goal of the postseason on helpers from Norseman Wagner. That tied it up. Then Brad Marchand had a nice deke against two Carolina defenders on the pass from Tory Krug and just got it right past James Reamer's right blocker side to make it 3-2. to two. And then the coup de grace was Jamie, DeGress, Jamie DeBrusque's third goal of the postseason. David Krejci got a helper and Andre Kasha once again with his second assist. Tara Vinen did get the goal to make it 4-3, but that was it. So the final score, believe it or not, Boston won that game 4-3, and here's something no one expected. Boston is up in the series 3-1. They're one victory away from going to the second round, where everything gets reseeded after that. These are the President's Trophy winners. They are a very good team. Are they that good? Most would say, no, absolutely not. In fact, the Corsi for most of the game was in favor of Carolina, but you look at that third period, and that's where everything went completely south. And looking at just the heat map for that third period, it was almost all Boston, all around the goal mouth and around the faceoff dots. In fact, two of the goals came on each faceoff dot. As far as Carolina, they had virtually nothing in that third period, they completely lost it. The Corsi on that third period was staggering. It was about 25 to 3. That's a difference of 22 in one period. That's not going to get it done. Carolina has to figure things out in an absolute hurry if they're going to come back in this series. 
And that's going to be where we're going to wrap up for today. Uh, be sure to join next time where I'll be interviewing uh, Catherine Silverman, who hosts the Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference podcast and also actually covers the Arizona Coyotes. So we'll be glad to have her on next time. And then later on in the week, into next week, we'll have an interview with Trey Matthews, who covers the New Jersey Devils. We're just going to talk about our lousy teams that didn't make the postseason. In fact, that's every California team that didn't make the postseason. That's how lousy hockey is in California. I'm, I've am i said this time and time again. It'll get better. We promise it will get better. Maybe not right away, but it'll get better. Uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. And be sure to hear this via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and because I'm feeling loopy today, Smoke Signal. You can hear it on Smoke Signal. Ham Radio. Why not? No, you can't listen on Ham Radio or wherever you hear your podcasts. See, that's what kind of wacky hockey does to you. And what else am I missing? Oh, Twitter. You can check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me at StimpyJD as in the iconic Nickelodeon cartoon Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, for those of you that love your Nicktoons, maybe you liked Ren and Stimpy. Maybe you are more new school and like, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants, where they talk about one eternity later. <laughs> so maybe you like those. Or maybe you're more old school and you like Doug and Rugrats. But either way, yes, that's my kind of indirect shout out to Gabrielle Starr, who covers the Red Sox and does Nickelodeon again. Uh, we had, yeah, we talked about that podcast a couple weeks ago. So just don't throw in a shout out there. And also going to throw one more shout out to the Locked on NHL podcast. They've been doing a tremendous job covering the playoffs uh, hosted by Sir Avampado and Justin Morissette, who, by the way, I will give a one final shout out to Justin Morissette, who's had to stay up past midnight every time the Vancouver Canucks win because he helps produce the postgame show. What the Canucks are doing for their postgame currently is they're having all-night call-ins. Basically, the show ends when people stop calling in. After they won their series, the show didn't end, apparently, till 3 in the morning. So, Justin, I hope you're staying up late tonight, buddy, or tomorrow, or whenever the Vancouver Canucks win their series against the St. Louis Blues, who will no longer be the defending champions calling it right now. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Thanks for sticking around and thanks for supporting. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Please be safe out there. Be kind to everyone and ducks fly together.